This is Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 97.5.com. Presented by MyBookie. Live from the ESPN 97.5 studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. All right, we are back. This is Moneyline. We have a very special guest here, guys. None other than Mr. Cody Stutes playing a little Texas Tech fight music in his honor here. Cody, live from the Combine. How is it going, my man? I'm having a blast. And let me tell you, it is snowing outside in Indianapolis, but it warms my heart to hear that Texas Tech fight song and to be on Moneyline talking to you guys. <laughs> That's awesome, Cody. So glad you could join us, man. The amount of content you are producing on SportsMap right now is ridiculous. So I want once again want to tell everybody, get over to SportsMap. Cody is covering everything here. And let, let me just get right into it, Cody. We know that the offensive line, is that's the deal with the Texans. they got to get that thing fixed. Are you seeing some guys that the Texans might be considering here in the first round? Absolutely. I, I really like this offensive line draft. I don't know if you've got a franchise left tackle, throw him out there for 15 years, put a gold jacket on him type guy. But I think you've got a lot of guys that can help right away. The two names that jump off the page to me early on, Andre Dillard out of Washington State. Now you're thinking to yourself, Washington State, that's Mike Leach's crew, right? Yes. Most pass attempts in the nation the past couple of years, which means he's had the most pass-blocking reps. The dude is an athletic freak. Great broad jump. Really fast 40, can move really well, ton of pass-walking experience. A little worried about the run-blocking experience because, as I mentioned, it's Mike Leach, second least, or excuse me, the least amount of rushing attempts. So he hasn't had a lot of run-blocking. So if the Texans don't see something that they can fix or expand upon the run-blocking for him, that would be a tough sell. But with his combine, he may be flying up the board past where the Texans pick. But I love him. If teams get worried about the, the rushing aspect and they ignore how good he is in pass blocking, his quarterback, Gardner Minshew, said this week, we didn't even worry about who was matched up on him. We didn't even game plan because we knew Andre was going to lock it down. So that's left tackle. And then I love Oklahoma's Cody Ford at right tackle. I believe he's the type of guy. Teams are going to draft him, going to stick him over at right tackle, and then they're not going to have to worry about right tackle for about mm, seven, eight years, maybe even ten years. I really like him. He was a guard in Oklahoma, moved to right tackle, played right tackle for one season for the Sooners, and then, oh, next thing you know, all-conference tackle. Okay, and he's used to protecting a mobile quarterback and Kyler Murray and, of course, Baker Mayfield, so he's got that working for you as well. Those are two guys that I really like, but there's a lot of guys that could go there in the first round. Unfortunately for the Texans, where they picked, there's a lot of teams in front of them that might need offensive line help. Wow. No, uh, we definitely need help. The Texans need help in that area. But another thing that came out this weekend, I saw that you wrote about it. Texans general manager Brian Gain made it clear at the Combine that where he stands as far as the team, as far as running backs. What did you learn this week as far as the running back group and what can we expect going forward? All right, so the, 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 the headline news is Lamar Miller's the starter because I know some Texans fans maybe wanted the team to move on from Lamar Miller or maybe wanted a big upgrade from Lamar Miller. That's the headline. But let me tell you the big news. Bill O'Brien and Brian Gaines sort of confirmed it the next day. Bill O'Brien this week said that Deontay Foreman coming back from the Achilles injury is back close to what he was before the injury. Now, Achilles injuries typically take guys down a couple of notches in their ability, specifically in the cutting, not so much the top-end speed, but the cutting, 
and the agility that they have usually drops off significantly. If Foreman's truly back close to the level that he was, that's the guy that's going to carry the rock the most. He's just a compliment with Lamar Miller. Ultimately, Gaines said they want to have a committee. Guys, only two running backs rushed the football for the Texans last year. That's Lamar Miller and Alfred Blue. And then you had, of course, Deontay Foreman late in the season come back. He was rusty. It wasn't really working. They've got to get a guy in here. There's a lot of running backs that I like. There's a lot of different ways you could go with that last running back spot because you got a guy, maybe Devin Singletary, who's a little speedster but also has a hammer ability. Maybe you draft a guy like Daryl Henderson out of Memphis because he's a guy that can do it all, did it all at Memphis, can catch the ball really well. So Brian Gain and company have a little bit of play with that third running back spot, but if they see other positions higher up on the draft need, then they go free agent to fill that thing out. But it's going to be Lamar Miller and Deontay Foreman to really get started for the season for the Texans. Gotcha. The, the other weakness, well, big weakness, Cody, you know this, the secondary for the Texans last year. Looks like Kareem Jackson may or may not be back. I'm kind of hoping they let him go. And, I mean, the rest of the guys, I'm not really sure what they're going to do. It looks like they still have J. Joe under contract for this year. So, And I'm okay with J. Joe sticking around if he's like your second or your third corner, but I, f- I feel like they they got to get a new number one corner. Do you think they're going to hit that early in the draft? I'm not quite sure what they're going to do in the secondary. Of course, Tyron Matthews is a free agent. I believe the Texans really want him back. Kareem Jackson is a free agent, and it almost feels like they're not going to bring both those guys back. So if they don't get Tyron Matthew, they might end up with Kareem Jackson. If they don't get Kareem Jackson, they might end up with Tyron Matthew. Of course, if both of them leave, then you're stuck with Justin Reed and Andre Howell as the starters, which isn't the worst situation, but it's not certainly as good as it could be if you bring back one of those free agents. Kevin Johnson's on the roster. They have to make a decision on him in the next couple of days. If you saw the report come out that they're trying to trade him, he has no trade value. No. <laughs> He's not played football well in a long time. He didn't even barely, he barely played for the Texans last year. It was a head injury that knocked him out. Teams get wary of that. That's always a last-ditch effort just in case you could get something for him. But I don't expect Kevin Johnson to be back on this team. Jonathan Joseph's going to be back, but he needs some help. There's a couple of guys we're going to talk to DBs today, safeties and corners today, so I'll be anxious to see how many of these guys are confirmed that they've talked to or met with the Texans. And there's a couple of different guys that, you know, and maybe if you're not thinking first round, you can sneak into the second round. Of course, the Texans have two second-round picks that they could maybe use, a, use on a cornerback, but they have to address that, and there's not a lot of free agency options, so it likely is going to be the draft. Something else that needs to be addressed, and I saw that you uh, that you wrote about, is who's going to be calling the plays? At the end of the day, who ultimately calls the plays? And I saw you wrote about that. So can you tell a little bit, people, of what, what feel did you get for it, being there and, and hearing the actual interview? What feel do you get for it? Do you think it'll be O'Brien? Do you think they're going to hand him over to the newly promoted tight end coach, uh, tight ends coach to, that got the offensive coordinator's job now? Who ultimately calls it? I think Tim Kelly is going to call the plays for the Texans eventually. Bill O'Brien's calling the plays this year. Bill O'Brien took back play calling duties a little while ago. There's no reason for Bill O'Brien to give them up because everybody wants to hammer this offensive line and how poor they were, but then they don't give Bill O'Brien the benefit of the doubt on the offensive line being bad when they talk about his play calling. Look, the Texans were right smack dab in the middle of the NFL as far as an average offense. They have the weapons and the abilities to be far above average. They certainly do. They shouldn't have the offensive line. 
I'm fully prepared to have Bill O'Brien call the plays. The thing he said that stood out to me about Tim Kelly, the tight ends coach who's now the offensive coordinator for this team, is he said Tim Kelly knows the system, and then he said he knows where the system needs to get fixed, and he knows what works in the system. If he's saying he knows what he needs to fix in the system, the big thing with Tim Kelly is he has to be able to challenge Bill O'Brien, give him a voice of reason on some of Bill O'Brien's decision-making with the play call sheet. If Kelly's challenging O'Brien, pushing him, hopefully improving O'Brien and bringing in a new wrinkle here or there, every offensive coach that doesn't call plays, when the play happens, they think about what they would have called. Tim Kelly's been doing that for a while. He also has some experience on defense. I think O'Brien loves this guy. He's a fast riser, really smart when you talk to people about him. So Tim Kelly's going to help a ton, you would hope. It doesn't feel like it's a yes man. It doesn't feel like O'Brien just did that to placate people. It feels like he did it to really push himself and push his buddy to be good. And I think Tim Kelly eventually is calling plays for the Houston Texans, just not this year. Cody, my man, it's Cameron. Hey, you want to guys hear a crazy story? Cody's actually my was my chauffeur driver to prom. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> what I've is really Co- going I've on? I've known Cody that long. Uh, Cody, Texans obviously have some some wide receiver, um, you know, depth injuries and stuff like that, issues they got to deal with. No more Thomas. Fuller can't stay healthy. Kute was a nice, nice little pickup, but obviously health issues. Are there any wide receivers that you have your, your eyes on that, you know, the Texans could, could draft in the later rounds that you think would be a good fit? I wrote about it for SportsMap, and it's up there right now on SportsMap.com. Hunter Renfro, Deshaun Watson's old buddy from Clemson. It's wide receiver U. I mean, they just produce wide receiver after wide receiver after wide receiver. Deshaun obviously is familiar with Hunter Renfro, and yes, he replicates Kiki QT's skill set a little bit, but think about what you could bring to the table in the red zone if you put DeAndre Hopkins on the outside, you put QT and Renfro on the field, and then you put tight end Jordan Thomas on the field. What are you stopping? You stopping speed or you stopping size? Because you're not stopping both if you're the defense. I like that move. I don't know where Winfrey's going exactly. He tested out pretty well in some of the agility drills, so that helped his his, his uh, stock a little bit here at the combine. I wouldn't spend a fourth on him. Obviously, the Texans don't have a fourth, but if they were, you know, able to maneuver something in the draft and get a fourth, I would. I wouldn't spend a fourth on him, but a fifth, a sixth, if he's there. I mean, that guy is a really good football player. Outside of that, I don't know that there's another wide receiver that you invest in and hope, you know. It, it wouldn't be the worst thing to have somebody to replicate Will Fuller's skill set that you could start teaching. Vincent Smith might be that guy. I would expect them to maybe go free agency to have a guy push Vincent Smith and push Will Fuller because, again, Fuller's got to get things together here in the NFL. He's not far off from the Texans having to decide on that fifth-year option. And then as far as a new contract, you know, money's getting tight around the Houston Texans. Jadavian Clowney, maybe Tyron Matthew, eventually Deshaun Watson. you got to prove you're worth that money if you're Will Fuller. and you got to start by having the best ability, which is available to him. We have Cody Stutes joining us, talking everything Combine, everything Texans, at Cody Stutes. Uh, Cody underscore Stutes is where you can find him on Twitter. What's one guy, and not even Texans-based or anything like that, just one guy that you said, man, he helped his stock the most out of this combine? Who's that guy? Well, middle of the day yesterday, I would have told you DK Metcalf, the, the Raiders wide receiver. Everybody's seen a picture of him on, uh, or excuse me, the Raiders wide receiver. I say Raiders because they're going to fall in love with that guy. 
But the old Mitch wide receiver, you've seen the picture on him at the gym where he's just huge. He's a massive human being. He had a Julio Jones-like combine until he started the agility drills. And he had some of the worst agility drills we've seen. If you can't turn a corner, if you can't run a route and stop on a dime, how are you going to be a good wide receiver? It's not just go routes in the NFL. So I would have said him. Montez Sweat was a defensive lineman from Mississippi State. He just ran a 4-4-2, and he's well over 260 pounds. He's a freak athlete. He helped his a ton. And it's going to sound weird to say this, but the way he's tested so far, I think Nick Bosa has really helped himself in the conversation moving into that conversation for number one. And Quentin Williams, the defensive lineman from Alabama, he's basically cemented himself as a top three pick. There's a couple of wide receivers. Uh, the kid from Notre Dame just tested off the charts as an athletic freak. He looked really good. Daryl Henderson from Memphis sort of separated himself from some of the running backs just because his tape's so good, his multiple abilities are so good, and he actually ran pretty well. The running backs were surprisingly slow, and these defensive linemen have been surprisingly fast uh, on the on the 40 the, here at the Combine. So those are the guys that kind of helped their stock. I'll have kind of a stock up, stock down thing on Sports Map this week. But those are some of the names you'll see popping up there. Hey, Cody, I got one more for you. When O'Brien was asked about, you know, some of the rankings of the offensive line, and obviously they finished basically at the bottom, you know, they were like, hey, are you looking to improve the offensive line? And, you know, O'Brien kind of deflected like, hey, we're, we're trying to get better all over the place. I mean, that kind of stuff worries me a little bit. Do you think they realize that they got to get this thing fixed? Like, truly? Do you think that's just kind of coach speak? Or, or are they kind of just not seeing that how big a problem it is? Yeah, they're, they're not dummies. They know this thing needs to get corrected. The tough part for the Texans is it doesn't feel like it's a one-player correction. They're not just missing talent at left tackle. They're missing talent at left tackle through right tackle, okay? That's the tough part. Yeah, they know. Brian Gaines said the next day that he thought this was a really nice offensive lineman draft, thought that free agency wasn't as deep as, say, the draft was. Now, remember, the Texans have two picks in the second round. I don't think it's out of the question that we see not only one, but maybe two offensive linemen on this this draft class just to push guys on this team. Martinez Rankin played tackle a lot last year for the Texans. I think he'll push at guard, but you've got to have guys to push Julian Davenport. Chantrell Henderson's back for one year, but how good is he? This is a guy that gets hurt all the time. You can't necessarily bet on a guy who gets injured that often. I think Fulton's back at right guard. That's your right guard next year, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them pick up a center at some point, push Nick Martin. Nick Martin's been disappointing. Nick Martin has been arguably as disappointing when you talk about the, the praise that he came in with. He's been as disappointing as previous offensive line disappointment in the second round, Xavier Swofilo. That's my opinion. I, I definitely think they need someone to push Martin. They need someone to push Kelamete and Rankin. They need someone to push Davenport. So, yeah, they know. The problem is, is they got a lot of work to do, and it's really hard to fix the offensive line when so many teams in the NFL realize, oh, my God, we got to throw the ball more, so our offensive line has got to be better. Man, that, that's a good point, Cody. God, I hope you're right. I want to see them grab a couple offensive linemen here. I, I think that would do it. And you're right about Nick Martin. I think that PFF stat about him came out. He was the, the lowest-ranked center in the entire division. He was even behind one of the backup centers as far as grades. So I think you're on to something there, Cody. Hey, thanks for joining us, man. We really appreciate it. Uh, tell everybody where they can find all your content right now. Rem- remind everybody again. 
Man, it's always a pleasure to jump on with you guys at Cody underscore Stutes, that's S-T-O-O-T-S, on Twitter. Also doing it big on Instagram, same handle as the Twitter, at Cody underscore Stutes. And, of course, sportsmap.com. Got a lot of stuff up already. Going to have a lot more stuff before the draft gets here. You don't want to miss any of it. And, of course, that's where you find all of Jerry Bowe's great bookie boosters. And there you go. And you heard it here again, at Cody underscore Stutes to get all this info. He's the hardest guy working at the combine right now. I'm telling you, he was pushing out article after article. You can find them all at Houston.sportsman. All right, Cody, thanks, man. We'll catch up with you later, bud. Anytime. You guys have a great one. Thanks, bud. All right, guys, that's it. We are going to be back after this. We gave you a bunch of Texans content. I hope you liked it. We're going to hit on that a little bit more on the other side. You're listening to Moneyline, ESPN 97.5. is Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 97.5.com. Presented by MyBookie. Live from the ESPN 97.5 studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. All right, we are back. You're listening to Moneyline. If you missed last segment, we had Cody Stutz in. He talked all things Texans, all things NFL Combine, all content on sports map we'll just put a bow on it like that so if you missed that podcast arena go check it out tons of great stuff he's looking at a lot of corners and tackles that the texans might be able to draft so go to podcast arena money line you can listen to it right there if you want to get in on the show 713-780-3776 and of course you can hit us up through twitter at moneyline 97.5 and now jerry found this kind of interesting story here that i, th- I think we got to get into this is pretty funny why don't you why don't you tell everybody about this well this is a gambling show right? it is so Police say Robert Brandel faked his own abduction to avoid paying out the winners of a Super Bowl pool. <laughs> Police found Brandel around 2.40 p.m. on February 27th inside his blue Ford F-150 truck on the 3900 block of Lockport. He was in the back seat with a rope tied around his neck. <laughs> the other end was t- uh, to the headrest. Duct tape was wrapped around his hands and ankles. He then spun a bizarre story to troopers. He began an abduction and Robert, which begun uh, investigation. Brando told police that two men picked him up in his truck on February twenty fifth, and after they had played some Super Bowl uh, bets on the Super Bowl pool, the men brandished a pistol and stole sixteen thousand in cash he had won from the payout of the pool. That's what he told the police. Now, after a quick investigation, it revealed the whole story was made up. What? Yeah. he uh, Basically, he ran this pool, which he was cheating from the get-go as he had fake names entered into it, <laughs> thinking that he would take it down. And once it got to the end and he saw he wasn't going to be able to take it down, he wanted to keep that money. And this is where we ended up with him basically, like I said, they found him in the backseat tied around with a rope around his neck. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I mean, be careful who you do who you play these pools with because I've seen someone run off with a lot of money one time, man. And also, I've seen somebody do them with a with a ticket pool. They were picking up money for it was the year the Steelers were playing the Texans here not long ago. He collected a bunch of money that he was going to do a pool, and that guy never. I mean, I don't really? know. Yeah. So, needless to say, he's facing a felony scheme, uh, fraud charges. 
can you ima- imagine his like prep for this, right? Like he's going to Home Depot and buying rope, <laughs> just getting everything he needs to try and make this actually look like it happened. Man, that's a long way to go to get out. But that is a significant chunk of change right there. Oh, yeah. And imagine if he already has spent some of the money. Yeah. And, like at the, uh, there's, it's just so grimy. I mean, there's. There's a fantasy guy probably listening right now saying, man, I haven't gotten paid my I'm, fantasy I'm money. one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I won my league, and I still haven't gotten paid. Usually that guy, that, that commissioner is the one that call you, calls you real early next year, like like three months before football, asking if you want to prepay. Uh-huh. You're like, prepay? What happened here? Yeah, you know what happens. <laughs> you're behind on your phone bill. Yeah, what that, happened that, here, and you're trying to pay it. But you, you, you commissioners are just crazy, man. That's why I like that. There's a lot of these places, unless you know someone and you've been doing it for years. But now they got the places where you can just pay through the through a, through a site and it puts it all in a pool and yeah. just because it's it's hard to. It, I mean, just imagine if you won that pool. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, sixteen grand. That's not. And people might be counting on that money too, but that's so funny. He like created like other personas to put himself in the pool many times, and he still wasn't the one that won. Like, how terrible is this guy at gambling? What an idiot! I mean, that's uh, this story is so humorous to me. I mean, <laughs> how did you? How did you honestly think that you were going to get away with this? Like, that's what I want to yeah. know. Like, what's the thought process? To where you thought you could fake your death long enough to where what people were just gonna forget that they were ever in like a fantasy football pool? Like, yes, no. And, and seriously, if you were, let's put ourselves in this. Say we were in this pool, and this guy gets abducted, and they they steal the money. Say that was even true. Wouldn't you still want your money? You know, like, hey, that's a shame you got robbed and all, but where's my sixteen thousand dollars? Right? Hell yeah. I mean, th- th- that's the thing, right, Cam? It's like. This isn't going to get you out of this. Just saying that you got robbed and the money got taken. And who's walking around with $16,000 on him in their car? I mean, you got to punch he, yourself. You yeah. know, you got to do the whole, like, give you a little shiner. <laughs> He's like Jim Carrey and Liar Liar punching himself in the face in the bathroom. It, it, I mean, what is he, Ed Reed? He's got sixteen grand just riding around shotgun in, in, a, in a trash bag in the front seat. I'll tell you it's someone, unbelievable. though. Let me tell you somebody that did punch us. Yeah. And. What's up with the Todd Gurley arthritis? Ooh. Oh, this Ooh. one right here scares me, guys, because in my keeper league, oh, I man. pulled off that trade to where I knew my, my season was over last year, but I was going to look to the future, and I pulled off a trade, uh, giving up Mike Evans and somebody else to bring in, in Todd Gurley. And uh, <laughs> yeah, this one's a little – I don't want to go overboard with it. Like This is the first report. We obviously know that. And that's the thing too. He 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 was shaky in the playoffs, but he did have a few games and a few few good moments. So how severe it is, we don't know, obviously. But this is still something that is going to cause me concern because arthritis is no joke. No, and it's not like, and he's not having surgery, so it's not anything that's going to be fixed. It sounds like it's just something he's going to have to deal with. And they talked about too that they're going to they're going to look at managing his touches as he deals with this. So then as a Todd Gurley owner, you're like, oh man, are they going to bring back CJ Anderson? Is he going to take some of the, the goal line production? Th- that's a concern, man. And there was a lot of people that weren't going to take him number one overall anyway, next year because of the way he finished the season. But I was talking to Jerry during the break. I wouldn't draft him number one overall anymore. I'd, I'd probably take Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel, Ezekiel Elliott. How about you guys? He's not number one overall anymore, right? He He's definitely not number one. 
I I'm not gonna go as far as to say I don't think he's a first round pick, but this this what do you do in this situation? I mean we 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 hear of injuries and then you know players coming back after surgery, but we've never really heard of, like an arthritis story like this. And the fact was is it happened so late in the season that you really never got a sample size to see what he could do with this with this condition. So you're going into next year fantasy with literally you have no expectations. Like you don't know what he's gonna do. I mean it's almost like drafting a rookie, I think, like how is he going to be after you know this diagnosis? So yeah. I think it's I think it could be considered a pretty big gamble if you're riding with Todd Gurley with you know an, an early first round pick. Me too, and you know we don't know if Whitworth is going to be back at left tackle, and that that's a that, that's a big deal for them. And I thought this was interesting too, kind of sticking with fantasy running backs. The the Chiefs are saying that Damian Williams, it's his job to lose. Wow. He, he he's going to be the guy, and. You know, of course, that could change if they take a running back in the first or second round. You know, who knows? But if if that does, you know, turn out to be the case, we know running backs and Andy Reid's systems for fantasy is just it's gold. So if Williams keeps that job, I, I did a little research here during the break. You know how many touchdowns running backs got for the Chiefs last year? I'm talking rushing. I'm talking catching. Everything total. Here's the number: twenty eight. Wow. 28 touchdowns to Chiefs running backs last year. So, you know, we could just kind of round it, you know, around 30. So even if, you know, he's not going to get all of those, but if he gets most of them, my Lord, he could end up being a top five pick next year. So that's something to keep in mind. I know it's not that time of year, but because the Chiefs did come out and say this the other day, I thought it was noteworthy. Like, Damian Williams might, he might go in the second round of drafts next year. He might fly up the charts. Just, you know, keep an eye on him. Running back is so loaded next yeah. year, and that's why. To why would you take a risk on a girly? Let's say, and this is just speculations of what they're saying, but take a risk on girly when you can easily go get a Saquon Barkley or something. Yeah. Like, there's not even a question. You no, know? and and it just it's terrible for people that do have dynasties, like like Cam says, and you made some moves for him, and yeah, it just slowly it's gotten worse throughout last year, and now you're in the offseason still getting bad news. Yeah, it, how quickly things have turned, right? We don't know what to do with Todd Gurley, and we don't know what to do with Le'Veon Bell. Like, how quickly, in one year, the two guys that were just, they were the number one and number two overall pick, now you're not even feeling good about them as a first-rounder. It's just, and, you know, not to get into the whole fantasy thing, but I will give out this advice, especially for keeper leagues, is we get way too caught up in looking three or four years down the road. You know, it, just try and win your league that one year just because there's so many things that can happen. Even looking at playoff schedules can be deceiving because, you know, injuries happen throughout the year. And, you know, maybe the Ravens defense isn't that great by week 15 because they've had a lot of injuries. So, you know, just a little bit of advice for everybody. Don't look too far down the road, even in keeper leagues. Like, you know, be in it to win it because this stuff happens. Guys get hurt. It's football. Roles change. Coaches change. You know, try and kind of keep your eye on the prize one season at a time. Don't get too caught up in that stuff. And, and with Gurley, at least we know what the issue is. Yeah. With, with Bill, we don't know what team he's going. We don't know what offensive line he's going to be behind. We don't know what head coach. If we he weighs he, 270 pounds. Yeah, he hasn't played in a year. <laughs> like, we don't know what kind of football conditioning he is. I mean, you can read all the reports all you want, but until he gets on the field, you don't know what he's, what he's going to be able to bring. And so... I think there's two big question marks with those guys. Obviously, Gurley more injury wise, and then you know Le'Veon more team wise. Like it, fantasy it does revolve around the team too. Yeah, I mean, you can't just you can't just draft a guy and just assume you know because he's on a good team that he's going to produce for you. I mean, if Le'Veon Bill goes to a team with a horrific offensive line, he he's not worth a first. You know, he's not worth the first overall pick. So both these guys are going to cause big question marks as far as the running backs. 
And something I, I did some research just thinking, OK, well, I mean, I know he's not the only athlete that has, has had arthritis. So I wanted to go kind of look at studies and things done. And, you know, he's had an ACL injury before. Right. Yep. Way back. And then, I mean, something I had no clue, but I read and it says you should consider the risk of if you play sports with arthritis. You should strongly look at the basically the risk that come with playing sports with arthritis. People who seriously injured their knees, for example, and torn ACL run a higher risk of developing arthritis later on down the road. I'm sure before he was drafted, people looked at this, but I just, I didn't know that that was a thing. If, if you rip your ACL or something, then you're that much more liable to uh, get arthritis later on or develop it. But it's scary all the way around. And I mean, to make it to a Super Bowl, and he wasn't a part of that after being the main part of it to start the year, it's just crazy. And, I'm going to stay away from him. Yeah, it's just you got to pay a lot to get him, right? You got to take him early. And, you know, the last few years we've seen the return of the running back. But remember, a couple of years ago it was all about the wide receivers, right? Getting those stud receivers. And why? Well, typically they're a little healthier than running backs. They don't have 250 pound linebackers crashing into their knees every other play. So. You know, just something to keep in mind. And with all the Antonio Brown drama, I don't think he's a first-round pick either. So this is going to be interesting to see kind of how the first round shakes out this year. We're, we're getting a lot of kind of after-the-season information that's that's going to drastically change things. Speaking of first rounds and things, and kind of to touch on what Cody uh, was talking about the Combine, one person I do want to touch on is Dwayne Haskins, the quarterback. <laughs> a lot of talk this this week has been about Murray, and he's not even going to, you know, do the drills. Right. One that did go out there, and he's quoted as saying, oh, I don't see how people don't come out here to to show their their abilities. I've been throwing the ball nonstop every single day of my life for 12 years. Dwayne Haskins went out there 6'3", 231. A lot of people were wondering, though, about his rushing, his 108 <laughs> yards. Air. Yeah, 1.4 yards per carry. He uh, ran a time of 5.04, which was it's snail's pace. Some say that he has been dealing with cramps leading up to the run, and that may have been the time. He will run again, they say, uh, during the, the pro day. But, I mean, it's not I, good. No, it's not good. And he says, though, my arm strength is so that much better that I don't need to run. Now, a lot of his downfall was looked at whenever there was blitz, his ability to move in and out of that pocket. But I don't know. I mean. He 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 ran slower than let's say for example Will Greer from West Virginia that ran a four eight. You got Dwayne Haskins with a five oh four. It's it's tough. Yeah, I mean I don't. You have offensive linemen running faster than him. Yeah, and, seriously. And then again, you got people like Stephen A. Smith saying this guy's a runner. Um, I don't know about that. <laughs> One guy though that we did find out is a runner and and not just big. And we spoke about him with Cody is DK Metcalf, a four, four three three with that frame. I mean, there was only two guys uh, that were ahead of him, I believe. What are your thoughts of him going forward? Oh, man, you love the, the size and the, the speed. It, it's amazing. And I think Lance had him as, a, I think, maybe his second receiver, if I'm remembering correctly, in the draft. But Cody hit on it, right, Those the agility drills that he was terrible at. And you have to be able to move your hips and, and open up and, and close your hips and, and be able to move laterally, you know, back and forth because you're running routes. If he's just running go routes, sure. You know, he can get down the field and he can body up guys because he's so much bigger, but you got to be able to get in, in and out of your breaks. And if that's something he's not going to be able to do, then 
man, NFL corners are going to know, like, hey, this guy is not going to shake me, and they're going to be able to play him a certain way. So that that's a, a that's a big red flag for me that he can't move laterally. I want to touch on, on Haskins real quick. I'm not comparing him to Jamarcus Russell, but the whole point of, of having an arm that can make up for the for the size. Look, Jamarcus Russell was 250 and ran a 484, and that cannon of an arm did absolutely nothing for him in the NFL. So, again, I'm not comparing those two, but just to say that the arm can make up for the speed. I mean, if Jamarcus Russell is 30 pounds heavier than this dude and running faster, you can't really count on that arm strength. I mean, because we saw Jamarcus Russell flop out. So people got to be careful with that whole we can make up for it this way and that way. And speaking of comparisons also, uh, you you heard Cody say Julio Jones came up the name. Yeah. And we talked about Metcalf. So let's just compare these two. Both 6'3". Metcalf is 8 pounds heavier. And we're talking about when they came out. So Julio was 220. Metcalf 228. Julio ran a 4.34. Metcalf 4.33. 385 Metcalf measures 40.5. Julio Jones had 17 reps. DK Metcalf had 27. What do they have the three cone there? That's I'm kind of curious. That's about the, that. that's the thing. I don't. Who left this out? Who wrote this? Metcalf's yeah. brother. You know, like yeah. he left out the most. <laughs> Did he really? I mean, it, it's a, don't get me wrong. It's a. It makes a big difference, though, that three-cone. Yeah. And I, I heard, uh, I've read some of Lance's stuff, and he says that's that's a big, big, pivotal thing because it, it gives you a better read of not, I mean, because nowadays the 40, it's kind of, don't get me wrong, you want to see their top speed and how they get there, but it's, how many times do you just measure, or do you want to know like a straight-line speed guy? Like how many times is is a football, a running back, for example, these running backs that you want to see how fast their 40 are, is yes, the acceleration to get from certain part, certain part on that 40 could be measured, but... How many times are you just running straight line speed for 40 full, yards? Yeah, for 40 yards. It's more about that, the three cone, that dipping, yep. acceleration, stop, turn, acceleration, uh, balance, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. And I do, uh, I do like watching that three cones, especially when, uh, from all the positions, not just, I mean, whenever you see a big boy doing those, those, you could say, man, that guy, he'd yeah. be a great blocker in his own blocking scheme instead of, so it's, uh, it's just crazy, but I, I brought up Metcalf just in specific because, I mean, the hype is around him big. It's super big, and, and people want that Julio. He's a freak, yeah. yeah. And people, imagine if you could get a Julio Jones. It's, it'd be insane. Yeah, I mean, he could be the best receiver in football. And just to kind of tie it all together, remember last year, that was the thing with Dalvin Cook, remember? is He had a terrible three-cone. His agility drills were terrible, but he ran a good 40. And then, and I kind of backed off him. I wasn't as high on him when he came out as a lot of other people because of those agility drills. But... I, it didn't seem to really affect him too much. He looks pretty quick out there to me. So some of these things can kind of be a little overblown, but it's something to keep an eye on. And something with Metcalf that's, that, that sticks out is, you know, there's only two years of film on him for teams to, to be able to look into it. And his collegiate numbers aren't that great. 1,200 yeah. yards, 14 touchdowns. And his, I mean, I think he only played like half the season last year. Like this, this, is, this is a huge one of those scenarios where it's, it's huge risk. You know, is it is it worth? You know, is it going to pay off for you? Like, I, I feel like it's one of those high ceiling but high kind of risk. But yeah, I mean, Cody touched on it perfectly. Yeah, a lot of receivers go, you know, just straight burner routes. But a lot of times, there's quick little moves to get away from the defender before they burn off for forty yards. And so, if you can't cut even half a yard. It doesn't matter how quick you are straight line. You're not getting past that defender. So. No. I mean, look at what Edelman did in the Super Bowl. I mean, it's guys that can stop and start on a dime that can that can get open. And the Patriots have 
done that for years. You know, they, they get the quick guys that they, they can get open and get in and out of their breaks because they're harder to cover. So we'll get into this a little bit more on the other side. Yeah, We're we got to get in, out, in and out of a break right yes. now. <laughs> You're listening to Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. This is Nolan Ryan. You're listening to Houston's Best Sports Talk, ESPN 975 on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 97.5.com. Presented by Thrive Plus. Live from the ESPN 97.5 studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. All right, we are back. Final segment of Moneyline. Man, this show, it seems like it just flew by today. Uh, the last segment, we were hitting on the NFL Combine a little bit. If you guys missed it earlier at 11, we had Cody Stutz on talking all things Texans. He is live from the Combine. So if you want to check out that podcast arena, Moneyline. It'll be up right after the show. Our guy Hector Dos Santos is make sure it gets loaded. We appreciate that. Any, any phone calls, anything that uh, goes through the show, he makes sure it gets loaded up on time. So we really appreciate that. No doubt about it. Thank you to Hector. So... There's a couple things. I just saw this come across Pro Football Talk, so I wanted to hit on this a little bit. It says, report, Jaguars are expected to sign Nick Foles. So I kind of want to talk about that a little bit. If you know, I'm a, I'm a Texans fan. I know Jerry roots for the team as well. He also loves his Steelers. Cam, I know you're a Houston guy. Do you like that as a Texans fan? Do you Will Nick Foles actually make the Jags better? Is this something we should worry about to where they're not just a, a good defense anymore? Or do you kind of think Nick Foles was kind of a product of, you know, that, that Philly system and that, you know, he's not going to make that big a difference for them? What do you guys think? I mean, I think any div- – I think any – in anybody that's not Blake Bortles is is probably going to make a positive influence. I mean, we saw this team do well with Blake Bortles, so they have the talent there. They just have to get together as a team. It seems like there's just a lot of, like, dysfunction on that team. But I definitely do that's an immediate upgrade. I don't think that it, it takes them over the top to the playoffs maybe, like, another year. But they have the pieces. They have a run game. They have a defense. And now you bring in a guy who not too long ago threw, what, 27 touchdowns and two interceptions in a season, you know. Won a Super Bowl. Won a Super Bowl. I mean, this has to be an immediate upgrade. But, again, what happened to Jacksonville's defense? You know, they went from arguably number one to a below average defense in one year. And it's like, it's hard to even point where it went wrong. So, how much of a difference? I don't know. But I definitely think it's a a plus. That defense would mask the inabilities of Blake Bortles and make it where he would just be able to game manage. But 13-game sample last year, 13-11 to 11 touchdown-interception ratio, 2,700 yards. I th- Anything's better than that, I believe. Uh, Nick Foles is, I mean, he's shown what he can do. Yeah, he was pretty good against the Texans. Do you guys remember that that big hit he took from Clowney on, on that that final scoring drive to beat the Texans, he took that helmet right to the ribs, and he had to come out for a play. And remember, Clowney got the rough in the passer call. And then he led him right down the field, and they won the game. So, I mean, there's something to it. And He's 30 years old, just to kind of keep it in perspective. So he's not, he's not super old. 
And just looking at what he did last year, he went four and one in the postseason the last two years, six and two in the regular season. So you know, this he's winning games. In, yeah, I just hope this doesn't turn into like a Joe Flacco situation. You know what I'm saying? Where he did really well in the playoffs yeah. and gets a big contract and then doesn't do anything. Now, arguably, if you're a Texas fan, you do want that. You don't want to sure. see Nick Foles succeed, but you're kind of rooting for the guy. He's from Texas. You know, you're gonna you're gonna see him twice a twice a year if he does go to Jacksonville. But I hope he doesn't turn into a Flacco situation. But at the same time, you know, you, you just suck against the Texans. Yeah, and he kind of he's kind of built like Flacco too, right? You know, yeah. kind of wiry and tall, and you know, they both have a pretty good size arm. They, you know, Flacco for sure. He can he can really throw it. So I just thought that was interesting because they don't have a ton of cap space. So I think they're gonna have to. You know, make some moves here to to get it. And they they said the other day they're sticking with Leonard Fournette. He's going to be their guy. And that was kind of in question. You know, remember he got suspended. And Fournette, you know, I drafted him in fantasy. He was a disaster last year. Non-reliable. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if if they can get it together. And I kind of don't like this for the Texans. Like, Foles is a guy that he took apart our secondary when it mattered last year. So... Just saying. Let, let's uh, before we get out of here, we have a few minutes. Natty Light has had a big, big week. Natural Light, as it's called. Uh, they first they released a new strawberry lemonade beer. Ugh. Uh, with spring break on the horizon and all the crazy college kids getting ready to party, they said, "Hey, let's drop this strawberry lemonade." <laughs> but right when you think it couldn't get any better, they brought back the seventy-seven pack. You can get a 77-pack of natural light that weighs 60 pounds. That's what the package weighs, 77 Natty Lights. You can get half uh, regular, half strawberry lemonade if you want. I don't know about this. This sounds like a hangover waiting to happen. <laughs> it does. It sounds like if you want to be sober and vomit, have some strawberry beer from, from natural light. Ooh. There's not a lot of alcohol content in those either. So no. you, you might have to drink the whole 77-pack to really feel anything. This that that is, could be an issue. This, this, is, this is your beer, beer game drinking stuff right here. This yes. is what you play beer pong with and flip cup with. Look, I'm looking at a variety pack too. Okay, Apparently you can buy a 77-pack <laughs> uh, variety pack. I mean, this is literally what it is. This is directed at high school and college spring breakers. Like, this is exactly what it's for. No person that knows alcohol in their right mind should buy this for just a normal weekday. Like, this has to be because, you know, you mom and dad pissed you off, and you're just trying to get Liddy all weekend. That's what this is. What uh, What's the worst beer? Because uh, I've, I've had quite a, a few Natty Lights in back in my day, and uh, Keystone's rolled up in there, too, but... I'll tell you right now, Milwaukee's best is, is the beast is just bad. That's what I was going to go with. Old Milwaukee. Schlitz is terrible. I don't know if you've had Pearl Light. That's Whoa. awful as well. As a kid, whenever you don't, you know, you don't, I mean. Did you guys ever have Walgreens beer? No. <laughs> no well, I'm telling you, uh, towards the end, I might have I might have just graduated. So this, this could have been about five or six years ago, four or five years ago. Uh, Walgreens started coming out with their own six-pack called Big Flats. <laughs> Wow. I have had that. These beers, <laughs> I tell you, were so disgusting that we people would show up. You know, back in the day, you, you usually brought Keystone. You know, you were playing beer pong, you would be you would bring sure. Keystone. Thirty well, pack. Yeah. This came out because it was three twenty four a six packs. So you could buy all this really crappy beer. It was so bad that people wouldn't even use it for beer pong. Like it was literally just so where you could take a picture and you could be like, look at all this beer we have. But in reality, you're not even drinking it because it's so terrible. That's like Keystone, or not Keystone as much, but Natty Light. It 
I think there's a reason people use it for beer pong. You actually improve the flavor of your beer when a ping pong ball that's been rolling around in the grass ends up in your beer. Ooh. It actually makes your beer taste better because Natty Light's so bad. So that actually makes some sense right there. Yeah, I don't know. A, a lot of the, the 40s are pretty terrible, too. You know, like Old I'm, English. And, man, that stuff's pretty awful, too. Hurricane. I remember my family had had, a, a, like, a beach like uh, get-together. And then, you know, the, usually when they come back from the beach, that, that water sits in that, you know, in the cooler for a while. Sure. Like, three days later, and it was coming up to the weekend. I wanted to be that guy. So I, I go in the garage, and I look, and I'm like, man, this cooler's got beer. At, 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 man, I'm telling you, that thing was just, it had gone cold, warm. It was uh. Milwaukee's best. I'll never forget it. <laughs> Show it to a party. First dude cracks it open, just, just spews everywhere. And he's like, what is that? And I, I mean, but we, we drank them. I mean, it was. It, 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 <laughs> Nobody we, drank the beer. The beer has oh, gone bad. I mean, man. after four or five, it all tastes the same. You, you realize it just, it's, it's water. It's adult water. It's a dull water. That's not what I like. You know, we actually had some good beers yesterday, some of those IPAs. That, yeah, that, that I, was the good stuff. I'm real curious to see what that cinnamon beer that uh, Fred's going to have named yeah. after him. That's, that's going to be interesting. So we will make our way back out there. The beers were fantastic, and they surely did the job. No, no doubt about it. That was some great stuff, man. It Definitely no natty light in the house there. And uh, it would have been a crime at pitch 25 if they were selling $30 uh, buckets of natty light. <laughs> yeah, like, they would have, I'd have to talk to Mr. Ching myself and be I have a complaint, sir. <laughs> well, it's been another fantastic show packed with a little bit of everything. We talked Texans. We talked Combine. We talked uh, Natty Lights. Yeah, I mean, we've, Natty we've, Lights. We've, we've talked a little bit about everything. It's off season, so we try to we try to keep it going. We try to keep cashing tickets, but we try to keep you laughing as well. No doubt about it, guys. Check out Jerry's stuff on Sports Map. If you want to bet some stuff today or later this week, he'll be updating it, so get over to Sports Map at Sports Map H-O-U. We want to thank Cody and Holly for joining us today. Hector, Cam, Jerry, Josh Jordan. We'll see you next week. Peace.